coming on anyway. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, I think what would be good is if you just run through like a bit of background about who you are, mm-hmm. uh, your journey, and what you do now. Okay. That's all right. Yeah, no worries. So I guess probably from starting way back, like if I think about like when I was at uni and stuff, I'd done sport and business management at uni and then I was actually working in John Lewis as their as like their kind of head of complaints side of things. And I, I, I remember I just did not want to do any more studying. I wanted to go into work, but I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just stayed in John Lewis, went full time, sort of faffed about in there for a couple of, I think I was maybe there for about five years or something like that. Um, which now in hindsight, it was actually good because you learn an awful lot about like really good levels of service and all that kind of stuff and dealing with really difficult customers. Um, and then as everybody does, I just fell into recruitment. I got, I got which I now know is I just got like a total male shot, but I was like, oh my God, I've been headhunted to be a recruiter. Like this is like the best oh, thing ever. It's, you know what cracks me up is when people say, I, I got headhunted <laughs> for the role. Is so. I, 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 do you know? Sometimes I don't have the heart to tell them that that's not actually what happened. No, so I know. You were one of three hundred and fifty people who were messaged <laughs> for the job. I know. So anyway, I get headhunted for recruitment. So I uh, yeah, and it was Reeds that I went to work for. I remember, like, there was like seven interview stages or something like that. And I remember my dad being like, "There's another interview stage," and I was like, "Well, yeah, like." And I remember I'm being like, tell them to get lost. Like, this is ridiculous, that amount of, like, stages. Like, this is so stupid. And I was like, I really want the job. Like, I'm prepared to do it. Like, I really want it. Got it. Um, so I was I was in business support um, for Glasgow and, like, Lanarkshire for a good couple of years. And then, like, I loved it. I, I was a Thames consultant. It was, like, really fast-paced. It was the best thing ever. Um, and then I thought, you know I thought at the time was going to be a really good move for me, but I then moved into health and social care and yeah. no, no harm to health and social care. It's the, the, the candidates are amazing and the things that they do are amazing. However, you have to work like a million times harder because the margins are so low and it was a lot of work. So actually really, I think if I had done it the opposite way about like done healthcare, then business support or something where it's higher margins, then I would have enjoyed it more. But I was just getting to the point where I was having to run myself into the ground to make like I was still making decent money, but like you know not where I wanted to be. Um, and then I actually get contacted off of Doogie at Audro, who's now at Sourcewell, um, yeah. to go and join their customer success manager in Audro. So for anyone who doesn't know, Audro is a video software that sells to recruitment uh, agencies. And at the time, I was like, Do you know, I love recruitment, but I didn't. I never wanted to leave recruitment as such, and because I was still very much like keeping my foot in the door with recruitment, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll make the move and kind of see. So that was like my first kind of move into SaaS, and I loved that job. Absolutely loved it. It was like the best thing ever. Everybody is crazy mad and all. It was it was such a good environment, and then kind of COVID hit, and it was working from home and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then after a few, I was there for three and a bit years. I think loved it. But then I just got to a point where I was like, there was no further kind of career progression. So it wasn't like a personal thing. It wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. I just thought I needed to move. Um, and then I moved into another kind of customer success, which was very heavily sales oriented role. And then I moved into um, Joined Up, where I have been since February. So still very new, but um, I'm a sales lead here. So joined up as a workforce solution for um, high volume temporary recruiters, basically. So enjoying it so far, still very much getting settled and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell, basically. Oh, it's good. It's a good overview. Um, going back into recruitment though, because I'm always interested in this. I actually got approached by mm-hmm. I got approached by Reed. Um, Headhunted. Was... Sorry. Headhunted. I, no, I didn't get headhunted. Um, I'm afraid, just, <laughs> just standard recruitment. I'm afraid. Um, just so basically, me. Basically, what happened was I was working in a telesales job for Southern Electric. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I hated it, but I got called up. I was on like 18 grand, I think, and I used to get five pound per sale, and I was selling um, electrical wiring insurance. Electrical <laughs> <laughs> wiring insurance. Yeah, I used to ring people up and try to explain to them that the house could burn down. 
Um, it's literally what I used to do when I was like 19. It's my it's first time, like... Women. Sorry? It's whether meant to buy something. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't particularly ethical, if I'm honest. But I didn't know anything better. And um, yeah, I got called about a job for... Re- I think, it, yeah, it must have been Reed, Reed and Reading. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, what happened was the recruiter for Reed which I now assume was a wreck to wreck was telling me that I could earn up to 40 grand a year and where my head was mm-hmm. at the time, that seemed like I might as well have been making a million pounds. So yeah. I was like, that's what you paid more. In fact, I wasn't even on a salary. I was on um, like minimum wage or something. Yeah. I was a temp. I was a temp. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I was, I was like, there's no way a recruiter is going to earn forty thousand pounds a year. Like that's that's millions, you know, that's so much money. Um and obviously looking back I kicked myself, but like what what did you think when you first got approached for a recruitment job? Like did you did you just like assume it was HR or No, so I knew what recruitment was, but I've always wanted to go into sales. Like anyone that knows me knows I could literally talk the hind legs off a donkey. I've always been very in fact it's going to say I've always been really salesy, but my dad and his um, partner were both in sales, both making a fortune, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And I remember I get set up with an, an interview when I was like 16 or something like that. Not like a, not as in you're going to get a job out of this. I, I think maybe, it was a, maybe I was slightly older than 16, but it was basically like I went to this kind of mini job interview for it. Like a, it was for like a veterinary sales role type thing like for pharmaceuticals in fact it might have been actually wasn't pharmaceuticals it was um dog like dog food type thing like dietary whatever whatever it was right so i went to this interview and the guy was like um and i wasn't going to get the job it was just so i could get the feel for what it was like when i was young and it was like he was like sell me this i was like i could sell anything like being like a me cocky shit that i am and he was like um right sell me this pencil and it was like a, is it a bionicle pencil? Is that what it's called? Bionic pencil? No. Mechanical? Bionicle. Mechanical pencil? And he was like, right, sell this. And I was like, oh, so what do you do? And like, do you have to write in your job? And oh my God, who wants to write in a pen? And then you make a mistake and you don't want to have to rub it out. And I was just garbling on all this garbage. And he was just like, you're actually so good at sale, like selling. You're so young and you just like want to do it. And I was like, I just, that's just what I've always wanted to do. So I, I would say I fell into recruitment. I knew that I wanted to do sales of some description. And then I feel like when you get into recruitment, like the penny either drops or it doesn't. Like, I think it's the same with any sales. Like you're either good at it or you're not. And I think you very quickly weed out the people in recruitment who aren't good at it and they move on or they're not making placements or whatever. But I would say for my first maybe five months every single possible thing that could have went wrong went wrong which was actually the best thing that could have ever happened to me because and i still stand by this that when you go into a job when you're learning like that's the time to make mistakes it wasn't necessarily that i was making them it was maybe like i would get a job and then like the job would be pulled or the candidate was placed and then they would it would fall apart or you know whatever um and then i always remember a girl that i used to work with was like once you make your first placement that'll be you you'll just go on this trajectory and you'll never stop and i just ended up when i when i took over this kind of temps desk i just done really well with it and i was just worked really hard and i was really quick and i got on really well with most you know candidates and clients and quite you know um, personable and stuff and i just done really well in it and think if you've got that kind of personality, then recruitment's definitely for you because you're speaking with people all the time, but you also have to have this sort of mentality that you you have to want a deal enough to work hard at it, but you also can't want it so much that if something falls through that it's going to end, like, mm. end your whole career, you have to be able to just pick yourself back up and be pretty resilient, I would say. Yeah, yeah I... Um... I went through the ringer for my first year in recruitment because I, my first job was like a one man band for this guy who, mm-hmm. yeah, um, he was like a real estate agency background and he'd moved over from Spain to set up. Didn't know. We didn't even have like a printer. I don't think. 
we, it was actually just me and him in like a Regis building. <laughs> and we, we didn't have a CRM system, nothing. And um, we were basically just like prank calling state agents to try and get candidates because we didn't have a database. We didn't have anything. And we had no process or, and he didn't have any experience either. Tash. It was just like, we need to find humans who have experience selling houses. And then we need to find companies who hire people who sell houses. How will we get hold of these people? And also we didn't have like, I don't think we even had like proper job boards. So we were just literally just like calling, um, calling companies up and doing the, this is, this, this, you know, when people say headhunting, what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. this, is, this is, this is to be fair, like true headhunting, I suppose. Um, in that you're calling someone up to speak to them at work because you can't get hold of them and you're you're speaking to that specific person right that you're you're actually you've got a list of five people that you know about and you're trying to get hold Mm -hmm. of those five specific people somehow right Mm -hmm. we were doing that but what we were doing was calling companies and then speaking to their estate agents pretending we headhunted them and then calling them later (laughs) Um, so that was like my introduction to recruitment and I was a bit like, what on earth is going on? But, um, yeah. And then basically I, I went from that job, uh, which went okay considering into accounting and finance recruitment in January, 2016, which was when about a month before Brexit was announced. And guess what happened when Brexit was announced? Everyone got rid of their finance team. So I was, I was doing that. I was, I was making, um, I don't know what your targets were, but we were doing 10 hours a week on the phone, a hundred, um, a hundred be hundred like sales calls, but like connected, like actually getting hold of people, um, a week. Um, and it is exhausting when you're not getting the results, right? Do you know, I've never worked for a company that's got like ridiculously big targets in terms of that, like. I think when I was at Reed, it was like 35 BD calls a week or something like that. I mean, but see now in my mind, I'm like 35 calls. Like all the companies that I've ever worked for has always been about quality over quantity. Like if, and, and I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong. It's like, yeah, you can slam the phone. Like you can like r- dial every two seconds and just like for the numbers game, but like you're not having any like valuable calls that way. Like I think if they focus on the actual value of what you're getting from each of your calls as opposed to the numbers, then it's it's easy. But I think in, I think in sales in general, like like even we were talking, obviously it's just been the Easter holidays like two weeks ago, or no, we were they were back last week, but for the two weeks of that there was Easter holidays. So your two weeks of the Easter are dead. And then the week after that is pretty quiet as well because the people that you've reached out to over Easter, they're going to be catching up for the last two weeks. So you're, it's like you just need to be mindful of sales, recruitment, whatever it is that you're doing. Like it's peaks and troughs. Like it's like the recruitment roller coaster. Like it's when it's dead, it can be dying and it can be hard. But then like when I finished up last week, I had like on Friday four different clients that were then coming back to me to then arrange calls for this week. So I like left on a bit of a high, but like, it can be difficult, I think, when it's like quiet and you're kind of waiting for people to call you back. And, or as you said, if you're having to do a hundred calls a week, like that would kill me trying to do a hundred calls a week just for the sake of getting calls in. Oh, honestly, we, um, during when would it have been? I think Brexit was announced in like March 2016, something like that. So I was like two months in. And mm. for the next, like, because I, I lasted until about September and then I changed to tech recruitment. But we were literally like, every single conversation we were having for weeks and weeks on end months or in, not even weeks months on end mm. was um oh you know we've either laid off our finance team or we're not going to be hiring finance staff for like the next year yeah. and the market i was working as well we for some strange reason like i didn't know any better at the time but for some strange reason we were only allowed to recruit in wales because that was the only yeah it was just like i don't know i honestly don't get it but like Brexit and the Wales market, like I didn't even have London like to try and crack into for accounts yeah. that sort of thing. Um, it was just it was just a death sentence, really. And a lot of yeah. people, I go back to what you were saying a second ago. Like, it's I think companies are getting better, at, like much better at it. recruitment and sales has come a long way. I think a lot of recruitment companies are now owned by 
people who did recruitment in say the mid 2000s onwards mm-hmm. they're like you know in their 40s now yeah and have has seen have seen that the targets don't necessarily work i mean look you need kpis of, of some sort because you need something yeah. to to sort of go against i mean i'm self-employed and i've i've got a kpis for myself right but the whole make x amount of calls for everyone regardless of market regardless of situation regardless of time of year regardless if it's easter um is just dumb yeah i think it goes back to like input versus output like i could make 100 calls to random people or i could make 20 targeted calls maybe not even 20 and then i could make them up like make sure i'm following a cadence following them up i like to do my videos you know reaching out to people personalization all that kind of stuff and i think like if you can if you can follow a cadence step by step like repeating that for however many calls whatever and then you can show that that actually works and you you can show that actually i don't need to do a million calls to get x y and z then that's great if you're following a cadence and you're getting zero back from it and you're only doing 10 calls a week then yes the numbers game like there are weeks when you have to just go do you know what bite the bullet and just pick the phone up and smash the phones for a day or whatever but um i think now as well certainly when i was in recruitment obviously we had linkedin and stuff like that but like LinkedIn is a completely different kettle of fish in comparison to what it was when I was doing recruitment. Mm. Um, so, like, it, it, you know, recruiters are a lot more active on it. And certainly when, you know, I used to message people and stuff, but I used to, you know, I would say predominantly email and phone, whereas now I predominantly use LinkedIn because of how many followers I've got and stuff. Yeah, because when did you get into recruitment? 2016? When I was about 20 three or 24 so like eight years ago eight or nine years ago something like that let's check your linkedin i thought it said 2016 when would 2016 would be seven eight years old yeah you just scared me there because do you know what 2016 was actually what seven years ago i know i know what how is it seven years ago don't even talk about it i don't like when i talk about how fast the time moves Oh, honestly, that's mad. Actually, I don't. I, I don't. I consider 2016 like three years ago. Not. Oh, like, 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 I was thinking like 2012. <laughs> well, when I said it, it was like I was like 23 or 24. So yeah, but I. Well, I'm gonna check now. On your profile, I'm pretty sure it's it's 2016. But anyway, my point was I think we got into recruitment at the same time. So mm-hmm. I started in. I went traveling into Asia and then I came back and then I got a job in June 2015. Mm-hmm. And you started in November 2016. So you started like a year after me and you started the same month I started at my tech recruitment job, my mm-hmm. first tech recruitment job. So yeah, you're right. LinkedIn was, um, it's funny, isn't it? Well, it, well, it actually, it was quite long ago actually now you say that i didn't wasn't thinking of it like that but even so like what six just over six years ago linkedin has changed loads in six years hasn't it absolutely like i remember when i was in uni i think i set one up didn't really do much with it and certainly back then like especially when i worked for read like they've got very strict or certainly uh, don't want to talk at a turn i don't know what it's like now but it was very strict rules on you know what you can and can't do like you have to be very mindful of what you're putting online blah 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 whereas now like for me if i was probably if i was to go away and work for a business and they said no no you 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 have very strict standards in terms of what you can put on linkedin that would massively put me off because for me like branding personal branding on your linkedin is so important especially in sales and i think like i've got loads of contacts, loads of friends, loads of people, people that I've never, ever met before that I probably never will meet, but I know them through LinkedIn. And because of that, I've built up good relationships with them. And and it's and it's all because I, I write what I want, when I want, and do what I want on it. Always being, my thing is I'm always mindful to never intentionally cause offence to anybody, but I will write what I want to write on it, essentially. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... I think it's really important that, especially if you're in like the sales world, you 
you need to make sure that people are aware what they can and can't do. Um, because I think a lot of companies, they, they encourage their people to post on LinkedIn because they want to be, they want them to build those personal brands. And, you know, they, people start well, very slowly, some companies, but people are starting to realize that that is the way a lot of things are going. Like, yeah. even though there's absolutely, you know, time and place for cold calling tech recruitment in the last three years, I made maybe 10 cold calls. Everything yeah. was just LinkedIn and then setting up teams meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the way things are going. And, you know, frankly, there's, you know, again, you know, there's a time and a place for a cold call, but a lot of the time it is unnecessary. And if you build a personal brand well, you know, it compounds, doesn't it? So eventually you get to a point where everyone you want to know, everyone you want to know you knows you or has mm -hmm. seen your stuff, even if they don't follow you or connect with you. Yeah. So when you do reach out, they do engage with you anyway. So you don't, and then the whole point of a cold call is trying to get a hold of people you can't get hold of. But if you can get hold of them on LinkedIn, yeah you know, let's be honest it's it's a lot more there's a there's a there's a few people who like genuinely like the rush of a cold call but most people don't um, yeah i think i think there's a time and a place for everything right like i'm super active on linkedin but that doesn't mean that like the md of a recruitment agency is going to, i mean they might be but like you, you you generally can tell like if there's someone who's like never posted the dot of a LinkedIn like, profile picture, all these kind of things. Am I best to reach out to them on LinkedIn? Probably not. Probably the best yeah. thing they do is like, like pick up a phone. I also think it depends on like, for example, my manager, Ian, he loves, he loves a cold call. He would probably prefer someone to pick up the phone because that's what he likes. Um, mm. But also I, I, as much as there is always a place for cold calling, like, I just the the thing the thing that I like about messaging is that so if you phone someone in a cold call right and they're not so, like they can't take your call there and then they'll probably just either not answer it or like they'll leave a message or whatever. But if you do it on LinkedIn, like they can get back to you two days time when when they're free or whatever. So it gives them the opportunity to actually have a think about what you're saying. If you cold call someone and they're like, oh, I'm not available, like really sorry, can't take your call. But they're not always, sometimes they're not even like giving you the opportunity to talk about what you want to talk about. Whereas yeah. if it's on LinkedIn, they can sit down, they can digest it, um, and they can have it like actually give it the value that it deserves and the, the time that it deserves. Whereas you don't always get that in a cold call. But I do think that there's still a place for it. I don't think that it's dead as such. It's definitely not dead. I mean, it's, uh, I think people, usually the people who say cold calling is dead are trying to sell something, right? they've usually got like a personal branding course or they've usually yeah. got an email cadence course or something. They've got an yeah. agenda, but, and oh, oh yeah. And also, by the way, it's popular. Like people, yeah. people want to convince their managers that cold calling is dead. So, so they do it. An expert on LinkedIn, an expert on LinkedIn saying cold calling is dead. They'll like it. So that, so then when their manager says, pick up the phone and they're too scared to do it, or they don't know how to do it, they can say, yeah. oh, no, it's actually dead. Everyone's saying it's yeah. dead, let's not bother. But it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's very different as well to emailing as well, isn't it? Because emailing, you, you could argue, you know, well, let's send, send an email. It's the same as LinkedIn. Well, actually, it's not because it's segmented. So, you know, emails get mixed in with, like, you know, in, internal stuff and newsletters and, and, you know, clients and prospects. And then, you, and then the good thing about LinkedIn is it's, it's, it's a social media platform. So mm -hmm. you're right. Like people can take their time to reply. Also people like, do you know anyone who likes getting cold called? See, to be honest with you, right, I don't actually have an issue with getting cold called me personally, but I don't know if you've ever had this, right? So, you know, you get those people that are like, hi, I'm calling because you were in an accident and you're like, all right, was it? But see, though, like, though, like those kind of jobs, right? I actually really respect those people because I think, do you know what? At least they've got off their backside and they're actually trying to make some money for themselves, right? I, I respect that. But what I've noticed now is I, I have been in the position where I've pretended and I've wound them up and stuff, but then I thought that's a really shitty thing to do because I'm like, I have to do cold calling. So I will never, ever be rude to someone on the phone, right? However, I've noticed quite often that they'll say, hi, you were in an accident, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Hi, don't know why I'm doing this is me going on the phone by me. I'm like, hi, sorry, I'm not interested, but thanks anyway. Half the time I can't even get my, my sentence out before they've hung up the phone on me. And I'm like, you go call me and I'm actually being nice and you're hanging up the phone on me. 
whatever. Yeah, I think that's. I think those those calls though aren't necessarily coming from the UK from uh, companies. Not for me. Mine, mine are absolutely abroad. Um, yeah, and they're but absolutely it, like trying to scam you. <laughs> to be fair, I understand. Like, there's a lot of these people, but like, if it's a scam one, then yeah, of course, like, obviously, you'll not take that. But like, I quite often find that like, cold calling Gypsy is a genuine person. If someone wants to cold call me, that is totally fine. I would never be rude to someone. I need cold call as well. Like, do your job, but. I have had people that I maybe say, no, I'm not interested, thank you. And they're quite aggressive. Like, well, how do you know if you're not going to give me a chat? And I'm like, that's not the way to go about it. Like, be nice. Like, I always pride myself on trying my very best to be as nice as I possibly can. But don't don't be rude to people when you phone them. And vice versa, don't be rude to people when you when they call, call you. Because, it, and I don't know if you find this, is see the people... I posted about this the other week, but the people who you you run businesses where you expect people to cold call, but yet you don't take cold calls, mm. that doesn't work. Like life doesn't work like that. You can't pick and choose. If you have people where you expect them to do cold calling, then you could at least humor people, take the call, or have someone pass on a message. But like to just have this strict, I don't, I don't accept cold calls. Really bugs me when your your whole company operates on cold calling. That bugs me yeah and also like cold linkedin messages as well right like i'm sure you've had it especially like as a recruiter i always found it baffling when you message a candidate about a role that's totally you know in line with their skills and they have a rude reply saying like yeah. what does it look like i'm looking for a job how dare you contact me with a new job it's just a very strange mentality to have but like let's well, I, I think that my point was um, that people don't don't enjoy being cold called and people don't enjoy doing cold calling, don't, don't yeah. enjoy cold calling generally speaking. Yeah. Um, so therefore, that's why LinkedIn has been so successful for a lot of people, because, you know, they'd much rather you LinkedIn message them and then email them because it's like, again, it's segmented. Mm -hmm. um, but for sure, like cold calling, the, the unfortunate part of this, is that the the side effect of this and the byproduct of this is people are no longer able to cold call because they don't, they either don't get the training or they don't do it enough. Mm. Me, yeah. me and you know both, like, it's, it's something that if you, even if you take a couple of weeks off it, you mm -hmm. lose your touch, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be interested to see the, like, Obviously, I'm fully remote now, right? But like, I've I've done my time in the office, learning from people, hearing around, like hearing what like my colleagues say. Like, um, do you know Nick Beecroft works for? Or he's Mercury. Uh, I think he's head of sales for Mercury. He was at Audrey's name. I, yeah, I must have him on LinkedIn. Right, so Nick's one of my really good friends, right? And he has been the best person that I have ever learned anything off of because I used to overhear things that he would say, and I'd be like, I'm saying that, like. He would say things and you'd go, oh, oh my God. It's like, you'd be like, oh my God, how's that customer going to react to that? But he's so funny about it. And like, it's just got a good personality. And like, so like, I would be interested to hear like, or see the difference between people who have like went into recruitment, but they're like fully remote or they've, they've learned being remote as opposed to like being in the office picking things up because that that's the only probably downside I would say about working remote for me is that I miss like, kind of hearing people picking up different things and learning from others in the office. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, there's this whole argument at the moment within like trainee sales and trainee recruitment jobs mm -hmm. where uh, like some, some companies, uh, they are remote and very flexible, uh, especially within the recruitment world, but mm -hmm. the trainees have to come into the office like at least three times a week. Yeah. And it's, um, I'd love to, I've got conflicting views on this because there's absolutely, there's absolutely positives for people coming into the office and learning off others because that's how we learned. And mm -hmm. there's, you can't replace that person to person contact. Mm -hmm. but we, we, yeah. we get to do it. Maybe VR will solve the problem eventually but at the moment like virtual calls even even this right now it's not as good as in person it just isn't um 
See, that you're saying that, the, the downside of that is if you're not even willing to hire like grads or trainees remotely, then you're missing out on a lot of talent. And there are recruitment companies and sales companies who are training people remotely. So it does work. I just feel like we're very early stages in terms of like figuring out how successful it is. So, so what I would say is obviously my last couple of roles have been fully remote and you have to be a particular type of person to be able to work fully remote. Um, like I'm very outgoing and I'll chat to anyone and if I've got a problem, I'll hunt down the person that I need to find to help resolve it and all this kind of stuff. But if you are, I'd say if you're quite introverted, maybe you you don't speak up, like, you know, if you're not sure what you're doing and there's no one there to help you, are you just going to sit there stuck all day? Mm. Um, a lot of companies, they want to be fully remote or they are fully remote, but they're just not there with the onboarding, with the training, with the communication. Like, you can't just stand up in the office and go, David, I've got this person on the phone, or David, going to help me with this? Or you can't do that. So, like, it's, a, it's an adjustment, like, definitely. But for me, I, I, I do enjoy it, and nothing much really phases me. I'm not, like, one of these people that's super sensitive about, you know, sitting on my own and whatever. I just do my job and whatever. But I think I'll, there still has to be a lot of work done to get from we're now all working remote to like we're working remote and we're onboarding people really well and everyone's really happy and because i i would be interested i don't know if there's i guess there probably is stats out there but there must be a certain level of turnover of people who go into fully remote roles and then go can't do this this isn't for me and then they go back into like hybrid or back into the office or whatever yeah it's i think i think you're totally right there because the companies, I think it even goes for like tech, to be honest, because I used to work with uh, quite a lot of tech companies. You know, some of them would do hybrid. Actually, pretty much all of them were doing hybrid towards the end, at least. Mm -hmm. And then a few of them were doing fully remote. But a lot of them were actually doing fully remote that I work with anyway, before COVID, which is really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And um, actually, there's, there's a company, uh, a director I speak to on LinkedIn called Liam. Mm -hmm. And he runs a company... I can't remember what the recruitment company is called, but I was speaking to him the other day, actually. And because uh, I did a post that got uh, some interesting comments. Remember the one about um, commission thresholds and stuff? But I was talking yes. about that. And then, and then he was telling me that they've been doing four-day work week and fully remote since 2016. This so is my... like, we've been doing it way before it was popular. We just, we just mm -hmm. figured out it was you know, a good, you know, I just wanted to make sure it was a, a good place to work. And we just sort of decided, actually, you know, we can probably do four days and we can probably yeah. do fully remote. And all they do is they meet up for breakfast on a Monday morning, like mm -hmm. it's like a half an hour commute for everyone, have breakfast yeah. in the morning and they will crack on. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm, I probably ask him actually when I come off this, but I'm really curious to see how he would train a trainee recruiter remote because it is, it's, it's a very different job as well, isn't it? Sales and recruitment, because like recruitment especially because you're dealing with people it's so easy to take things personally like you've you've obviously sold okay this is a question for you then so because obviously you were mm -hmm. selling SaaS software at, at Audrey, yeah. right and d d how did you find that compared to uh the recruitment job like selling people so i was customer success manager and account manager at um, Audrey, so I was I, I wasn't doing the initial selling, but I was in charge of maintaining like retaining the clients and stuff like that. So what I would you say were like trying to keep them on though, right? You were trying to yeah, like, yeah and upselling and stuff like that. So yeah, um, the the one thing I would say between selling an actual product and selling people, I guess, um, is they are. Like there's people involved in the decision making of both of them. So like people will always tell you, yeah, 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 it's fine. We'll get the contact done. I'm going to turn up to my my day. Like I'm going to turn up to the job on the day. Blah blah blah. Then suddenly, oh no, such and such hasn't signed off for rebudget, and then that's not happening anymore. Like you will always hear the same excuses. But I think like as a salesperson, all you can do is like, if you know, if you can walk away from a deal knowing that you have done every single thing possible that you could have done. So you've qualified your candidates, you've qualified your, you know, your person that's going to be selling, made sure that there's no 
errors, whatever. But people are people at the end of the day and people will also lie to you. So I think the things that tend to get you the most in sales or recruitment, they're both very similar, is that people either change their mind or people lie and say that it's all okay and then it actually isn't or some drama happens like budgeting something or other and then it's a disaster but i think the only the only thing that kind of kept me going was like as i said at the kind of start of this was like you have to you have to care enough that you really really want it and you're going to put in a hundred percent effort to to get the deal over the line or place a candidate or whatever but you can put in like 100% of your emotions into that because if it all falls through, which sometimes it does, a lot of the time it doesn't, but also a lot of the time it does if you're having a really crap month, if you let that affect you, you'll be ruined. It's like, that's why they used to call it like the recruitment roller coaster. Like as a salesperson, you have to be resilient enough to, to know when it's okay to walk away from a deal. Like there's times when you have to go, do you know what? There's nothing else I can do you know, it's not right for them. We can't lower a price anymore, you know, whatever it is. And you have to pick yourself up and go on. If you let every single deal affect you in that negative way, you'll never get anywhere in sales. So you have to just kind of, okay, it's it's over, it's done with and, and move on. But do you, did you find, because obviously with recruitment, I think the main thing people, especially I know quite a lot of people who've gone from recruitment to tech sales. Yeah. And did you find that, because obviously, you know, if, if your prospect or client says no, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But with recruitment, the product is the candidate as well. And the candidate can lie to you. And, and, and then yeah. I think a lot of people get, they sort of take that twice as hard as like selling a product because you feel like you've built a relationship with the candidate and then they've, yeah. you know, uh, screwed you over or whatever. Yeah. So I think a lot of people can and take that it is it's extra emo- emotionally taxing and then when you're yeah. working from home you know if you're on your own and you're having a shitty few months i suppose it's, it's very easy to spiral downwards whereas opposed to being in an office where people can kind of bring you back up again yeah because because i'm just trying to think like how i, I wonder actually if i could have I'm not even sure I would have taken a fully remote role, to be honest, if I was a trainee. As much as I'm an advocate for it, I actually think when I when I first got into recruitment, the main my main joy of it was the people that I was working yeah. with, especially because salespeople and recruitment people tend to be, you know, what? generally speaking, a certain type of person anyway. So yeah. it was a great work environment, you know, and I liked going in. And again, you know, we we're not gen z so commuting was just something you did that wasn't, yeah. wasn't negotiable yeah and now that would die yeah. week you have to travel to a, a like office monday to friday you need to get a you need to drive to the train station you need to go on a train i'd be like no how dare you ask me to travel i cannot go with us like whereas like it was a total no now yeah. i'm like oh, no yeah you know, it is funny how quickly things have changed. I mean, I, I loved it because I remember doing, I'm just trying to remember if anyone actually offered, I think, I think, I think a couple of my clients did like work from home Fridays. And... Yeah. It's like, I heard of stuff like that, but I, I actually said I would never do it. Never. I used to say to people that done it, don't know how you can do that. I would never do it. Look at me now. Yeah. We used to have a neighbor who used to work from home like a few days a week and we were like, I don't know. We were just. I also my mate used to work from home as well, and but he didn't used to work. He used to watch Game of Thrones, so that's how I perceived it. I didn't perceive it as like having yeah. a set up and a desk. You just sort of like working from your bed and it's chill. But then obviously COVID changed all that, and I uh, like as a recruiter, it was so good initially because all these companies were now looking, you know, UK wide, and it was like. It was great initially, but then what started happening was we started seeing the downsides of it, like as a recruiter, because mm-hmm. all these uh, all these people who were based in, say, I don't know, up north, let's say Leeds, yeah, where cost of living is cheap, is what I mean. So all these people started getting London salaries, but then 
the problem with that was the the candidates you'd sort of rely on to be willing to like if exactly. a London company was 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 offering it like okay so the the London salaries were amazing initially to like people outside of London mm-hmm. so I'm like oh wow I can live in Bournemouth and get a London salary amazing and it was such an easy sell but then mm-hmm. they started getting London salaries and then the companies started not offering a lot of companies started doing like if you live in London you get a London salary if you don't you don't you get like fifteen percent less yeah. But then all the candidates were already on London salaries. So you had people in, in like Nottingham on crazy money for Nottingham. Yeah. So but I don't really know. But when that happened, I was like, that's never going to last. It was like during the midst of COVID, like when it started picking back up again and all these stupid salaries were going out. Now, look, everyone's getting made redundant. Like, I was going to say something there that reminded me though, like, um, oh, I can't even remember. It was about the working from home thing. It's totally slipped my mind. That's helpful on a podcast. Oh, this could happen to me. I can't even remember now. This is me like, welcome to my life. (laughs) Um, It will come to you in a second. But yeah, it's it's been, it's been really interesting. And like, what do you think of the market at the moment then in like the tech world and stuff? Like, uh, here's a question for you actually, especially as like an extra career. So, what do you what do you think is the answer for like internal tech recruiters like how that all works because at the moment and i've got quite a few mates now who've moved into internal recruitment within tech mm-hmm. and you know like what happened was in covid they all got let go and then they all got hired mm-hmm. with crazy salaries and then now yeah. they've all been let go again mm-hmm. uh, and now they're all desperate for jobs they're all taking pay cuts but then probably what's going to happen is again in about six months or a year there's going to be a massive shortage do, do yeah. what do you think of all that? Like, do you think there's a sustainable way to to hire internal teams? Or I don't know about internal teams. Like, I, I'm not in charge of budgeting and all that, right? So, like, any of anything I'm saying is just my own thoughts, right? But actually, I commented on some someone's post last week about this, and it was, and in my mind, I'm like, right. So we've seen in COVID. This isn't necessarily like specific to internal recruitment, right? But it's like you've seen in COVID. So like. Everyone, I remember at the beginning, it was like, everything's closing down. Right, everyone gets made redundant. So we had all these big thingies of uh, redundancies. And then you've seen furlough was announced and companies are like, shit, we've just made half our staff redundant. So I know that some of them like reversed it and then they were putting them on furlough and stuff like that. And then it was like, right, things are quiet. And then they get busy again. So then it's like they've done all this mad hiding and it's all the stupid wages. And I remember being like, this is this can't possibly last. But actually the companies who took their time, didn't make any rash decisions, worked out, right, who do we need? What do we need? Just was a bit, I think everyone was a bit more chilled in their thought process as opposed to being, I've got a cheek because I am predominantly like quite a reactive person, but I'm learning as I'm getting older. But like the people who are super reactive to all these things, like, I think if you're in charge of a massive, massive budget, you need to be very thought out in your approach. And don't get me wrong, I don't think people who make redundancies are being, like, hasty. I'm, I'm, I would like to think that they've given it a lot of thought. But, like, I don't understand in my mind, right, how can someone, like, get rid of, like, 40,000 jobs or whatever? Like, you've seen all these massive companies that just slash all these jobs and you think, how can you operate without that amount of thousands of people now like you were operating with them and now you're not how is your company functioning do you get what i mean yeah it's outside looking in and look you know i'd love to chat with people who actually make these decisions because a lot of the times they do seem a bit mental they seem a very you know what sometimes it almost seems like they look what everyone else is doing and they just do that yeah, like, I, you, you do tend to see because it was like Google had made some, Amazon made some. Who was the other big one that had made redundancies? Google it was like Meta. Yeah, you've Peloton obviously went crazy. Like, you just, I just, I can't help but think that, and I mean, I'm totally not even qualified to have this opinion, right? So this is just from me and me only. But, like, what goes up must come down at some point. So, like, why... 
did you do these companies really need to take on that amount of people at that one given time? Did they could they not operate on a wee bit leaner staff so that you can actually afford to keep people as opposed to like hiring loads, 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 and then getting rid of loads and loads and loads? Like it just and it makes people unsettled, right? Like obviously I know I've been made redundant, like and if I was to ever hear of redundancy again or whatever, like that would it would make me go, Oh, I don't really know how I feel. Like it gets you unsettled and if you've been bitten once before hearing redundancies and stuff like that is going to make people feel like not that great do you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean obviously you, you've been through this so like how did that like how what journey did you go through then like how did that make you feel and how did you deal with that like mentally because i'm i've never been made redundant I, I mean i've been i've been sacked but it's not really the same <laughs> but, like if you're doing a poor job and you're like you know you know you're gonna get let go and you get let go that's fine. It's a different yeah. feeling, isn't it? It's a bit. It's a bit like, well, you know, suck it up and, and improve. But um, being made redundant, especially when you're like doing a good job, like yeah, it was weird. So I would say like you feel lots of different emotions. Like first of all, was like, what the? F can I swear? Like yeah. what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, I was like, what the fucking fuck has just happened to my life? Then I was like, oh my god, I've got a mortgage. Like. I've got a three-bedroom house on my own. I've got a car. I've got a this. I've got that. Like, da, 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 da. like, oh, my God, it's Christmas next month. Like, panic stations were, like, setting in. And then I spoke to – so Dan Farley is – he was my old manager, like, the best manager I've ever had in my life. Dan, if you're listening, I love you. Um, but he – I spoke to him, and he was, like, getting angry with me, getting upset. And then he, like – he is, like, my – He's like my Ainsley's life coach and advisor. So he just, speaking to him just made everything better. And I swear to God, by that next, so it was like I had the conversation Friday or like half two or something like that. And then I spoke to him and see by five o'clock, I was like, I've got an interview for next week. Like it's sound, like I'm cool. And then obviously in the beginning when I'm kind of going through everything, I was a wee bit shocked, wee bit upset. You're embarrassed as well. Like genuinely like, oh my God, like why mm. me? Like, am I not good enough? Like, that makes me look like I'm crap, like they don't want me and all that kind of stuff. And then genuinely, I just gave my, like, I'm a big advocate of let yourself feel what you need to feel for 24 hours and then give yourself a shake, get your shit together and like move on from it. Like I'm not, and I, and I know that it's, it's very easy for people who are that way inclined to say stuff like that. I know that other people feel things very deeply, but like, I'm just not the type of person that like gets in my feelings. I'm a very positive person. I will feel what I need to feel for 24 hours. Don't allow myself any other time. And I just, I don't know whether this is healthy or not. I don't know, but I just put it in a wee box, shove it to the back of my mind. And then I just go on with things. And I, and I just, I, I networked as best as I could. I posted, I don't know if you remember that day that I posted basically saying, you know, I've lost yeah, my job. And, yeah. and that post went, literally viral on it there's still messages in my inbox that i can't even get around to because there's just so many and all i done was made sure that and this is really good advice i would give for if anyone finds himself in a position now of being made redundant don't apply for every single job that you see be thoughtful it depended on how 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 uh like urgent your situation is obviously but like dedicate a couple of hours a day to finding a job there is no point in sitting at your computer from 9am to 5pm speaking to a million different people talking to people who you're not interested in if you're a if you're a good candidate you will be inundated by recruiters don't speak to every single person speak to the ones that you really see of value when people offer you jobs make sure you're asking things like the salary the hours the location all these kind of things before you're entertaining a conversation with them because the amount of people that were, were like, we want to speak to you, we want to talk to you. And they would, I would say, well, what's the salary? And it would be like, and I'm talking like people, one guy actually said to me, and I was I was like, you are having a laugh. He said, I've got a junior sales role um, that I think you'd be like suitable for. We've got an office in Hamilton where I stay. And I was like, all right, okay. Like in my mind, I was like, it's obviously way below what I would be looking for. But I thought, well, do you know what? Like maybe their titles are way off and it might be, and he was like, I said to him, okay, like, could you tell me a wee bit more information? Like, what's the salary? And he was like, um, I remember he said something like, no, he said, like, set up a call. And I said, would you be able to give me a wee bit more information? I don't want you 
uh, could you tell me the salary? I don't want to waste like your time if, if it's not suitable. And he was like, uh, if you think having a conversation with me would be wasting your time, then good luck. And I'm like, like, what is actually, so you would rather sit down, have an hour's conversation for you to tell me you're going to offer me 24k to me turn around and then say, no, that's not right. Like, and I, I just think like, be, be precious with your time. Like you have to be selfish. You have to put yourself first. See all your pals that are inviting you out and want to do this and don't tell them. Can't do it. I've been made redundant. I'm prioritising myself. That's what I've done. And I actually lost a friend over it because I didn't make any effort. And I'm like, I've got a mortgage and a house over my head that I need to, or a roof over my head that I need to worry about. See if you have good friends and good support network around you. They will all understand that. Don't put yourself in financial situations that you're living without your out with your means and you can't afford things and you're getting yourself into a situation. Ignore the outside noise and focus on yourself. Yeah, no, I think it's it's really good advice. And I, I, one thing I've always been interested in is like, you know, when you're seeing it in the news, like mm -hmm. it's like breaking news that people are being made redundant. Does that make it any easier? The fact that you're not on your own. So. Ours happened in like drips and drabs. So actually I was maybe like number three or something like that. And then other people kind of thinking, actually, yeah, I would say, so there was, um, I can't say too much about it, but yeah, basically if, if there are, for me, knowing that it wasn't just me, then yes. Would I want it all over the news and all that? Don't, would it have mattered? Probably not, but I'm a bit, I have an open book, you follow me on LinkedIn, you know what I'm like, so I don't really care. I don't I don't put things on LinkedIn that I don't want anyone to know, obviously. Do you know what I mean? So like hmm. I, I would I'm I'm pretty open in what I share with people, so but well, I, I think if you've wonder, got like, yeah. I think if I was like at Google, for example, mm -hmm. and I saw ten thousand Google laid off, five thousand Amazon, you know, five thousand meta, I, yeah. even though it still sucks, I think I'd still be a bit like, well, we're all going through this at the same time sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, a, it's like a, at least, at least it's not just me and that's it. Numbers. I, I do, yeah. I do think that helps, but then I also think on the other, other end of the scale, you're like, shit, I have got mm. so much competition. Like you've yeah. got all these, so like if they're all getting laid off, then there's probably not going to be a, a job for every single person. Do you know what I mean? So I think you've got that, mm. but I definitely, I do think it helps if you can, because I've spoken to a few people that have been made redundant um, from like other businesses. I was speaking to someone last week and, and I was able to say, look, this is what I've done that helped me. And I, I'm more than happy. Like if there's ever anyone wants tips or whatever on how to stay positive, like talk to me about it because I didn't really have that at the time. And I felt a wee bit kind of lost in it. And had I had someone that could say, look, this is what I've done, and it really, really helped me, talking to someone would have probably helped me. But all in all, I would say I was probably about 5% stressed. See, once the initial panic had kind of gone away, I just, I remember my mum saying to me, how are you? Like, you're so calm. She was like, I'm actually really proud of you for how well you've handled this. And I was like, me being stressed isn't going to change the outcome of the situation me being stressed going into an interview or me being really nervous is not going to help me perform to the best of my abilities. I need to believe in myself. I will get the job that I deserve. And if a company wants to let me go, then cool. Like, why? You're not the only company in the world. Like, and, and that's the other thing that you need to remember as well. Now, I don't know that I would, like, before I was like, I'm 100% loyal to this company. Companies will replace you like that. And I think that's, that, that's a dangerous, like, it's a dangerous way to think because like I want to be in like I'd love to give my everything to a job and that's what I'm doing and enjoying that and I'm really enjoying it but I do always have that wee kind of niggle in the back of my mind going oh what if they make me redundant but you have to just kind of go with it yeah I suppose once you've been burned I mean I, I, I'm the same but I've never made redundant I was laid off a couple of times mm -hmm. um but even like when I not not laid off I, I was sacked a couple of times but mm -hmm. even um even like, to be honest, one thing I have learned, and I tell people this all the time, is look, you know, there are companies out there who like do genuinely care about their staff, mm -hmm. but there's also like, I would probably say the majority, it's not that they don't care, it's just business is business, and they will replace you so quickly. Like, I've, yeah. 
honestly, it's probably my own ego, but I've been like, oh yeah, when, when I've left for like another company sort of thing, I'm like, ah, oh, they'll really struggle to replace me. They they won't. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. if you're a CEO, a CTO, a yeah. manager, a junior, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. you're always replaceable. And yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. So on the flip side of it is, don't, I don't want to say don't have any, probably would say don't. That don't don't walk about as if you're not replaceable because you are. Well, it's, you know, like people ha- don't want to hand in their notice because they're just like, oh, I'm going to leave. Like being a recruiter, you want to be a it's like I had a I had a candidate last year and she was saying, oh, I'm really close to my manager and, you know, they're going to find it really hard to replace me and, and all that. So I don't want to hand in my notice just yet. Or I want to like give an extra long notice period to help them out. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I, best- I really appreciate that. But you know, the reality is they are going to replace you. Um, and, you know, they'd get rid of you tomorrow if they needed to. Well, so what, what I would say is that I have, I've been in the position where I've, I was doing very well in a business, was being kind of promoted to the ranks. Thought, I thought, and I would have expected that I was highly thought of, I'd done very well. I handed in my notice. The next day I was told, you've been put on garden leave, you don't need to come back. And I was like, oh, don't need, need to come into the office, okay. I was still allowed to go to the Christmas night out because I was still technically an employee. And then a few weeks later was told, no, you've not to come to the Christmas night out because there's clients there. And I was like, and? Well, we don't know how you're going to... Is this what you were talking about the other day on LinkedIn when you said you got uninvited for a Christmas party? Spice <laughs> has happened to me. And do you know all that? See, all that does for me... Like, I don't care, right? Don't care. Don't don't invite me to the Christmas night out. That's cool. That says more about you as a business and the type of people that you are, that you cannot go, do you know what? Thank you so much for your service. You've been amazing. Here's a wee thank you gift for all your hard work. Off you pop, good luck. See if you can't do that. And this is to every employer. See if you don't do that and you can't do that. Go and take a good hard look at yourself. It's embarrassing. And it's just, it should not be tolerated. Like, I just think, stop being so petty. Like, go and wish people well. Like, I understand, see if you're a CEO and that's your baby and that's your business, that's cool. You're probably driving about in a Range Rover and taking home a lot more money than everybody else at that business. But people don't care about your business the way that you will care about it if it's your own. So, like, let people do well. If you cannot offer them opportunities, wish them well and let them go and, like, find their opportunities elsewhere and then replace them. Like, it's cool, that's what business is, but don't be a dick to someone just for the sake of being a dick to them. Like, especially when they've done really well for you in your business because that, that yeah. bugs me. I'm sure you can yeah, tell. Um, I've been through this myself. I actually did a post about it recently um, about how important it is to treat ex-employees, mm-hmm. especially, like, publicly on LinkedIn as well because yeah. it's... I mean, first of all, your your current employees are looking and seeing that. So if, yeah. if you're treating them like shit or just with apathy because they're not part of the family anymore, you know, yeah. and you're just like, right, good riddance sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone knows that you don't, re- you only care because they're making you money. And once you stop making them money, then you don't care anymore, which is a problem in itself and really affects your reputation within your own business. But also, like, you've got to think about people who are looking to join your business because you know, a lot of them will be looking at how you how you treat ex-employees and and also they might be speaking to ex-employees they might message ex-employees so because I, I know do you know the company hoxo mm-hmm. you know, Hoxo's 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 yeah. yeah so um oh I mean, it was obviously at the rec expo wasn't it sean mm-hmm. um they do it fantastically well and i did a post uh i tagged sean in the post so every time I've seen someone leave Hoxo, even if they're like a really important member of the team, so it must have like, it must have sucked losing them, but they're, they're not bitter about it. I mean, there's a difference between bitter and upset, right? You can be upset. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, in a, I don't want to say sick kind of way, but it's sort of nice to see your ex-manager upset and your team upset because you're like, oh, I actually provided value there. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Uh, do you know, the thing that really got me is like, you think that you're like very well respected and stuff and then you get treated that piece of shit right and it's not only like it's not only me that feels it it's or well, everyone that's working there that's around you your clients notice it by the way like just yes. as an effort 
I see the amount of people that reached out to me to go, oh my God, like what happened? And like, and then it wasn't just me, there was a few and then suddenly people start to go, by the way, what's going on there? Like what's the, like treat people with respect because you don't know who is watching. That is the only thing that I would say. And like, people think that like, see all this, oh, you're dead to me because you've left. Like, fuck off. Like who, like did people actually buy that? Like, you know, the mafia, can we just calm down for a second and like get your feet firmly on the ground? You've lost an employee. It may well be that you as an employer, you've done every single thing right, but you just can't, like you can't give them the pay rise that they want or you don't have a progression plan for them or you know, whatever it is. Or it could be that you're just not that great to work for. But like, see if you're going to, you, you can tell in exit interviews and all that, like, see if you're not going to do anything about an exit interview, don't do the exit interview. Pointless, yeah. like absolutely pointless. But it really, like, see if you really want to be a good employer and you really want to drill down on like what you're good at, what you're bad at, ask for feedback all the time. Not just when people are leaving, like ask, are you happy with, you know, your progression plan? Are you happy with the pay? Are you happy with the hours? Are you happy going into like the office or what could we improve on? So little pe companies actually bother to do that. And I think that's detrimental to the success of the business and the people who want to work there. Do you know what? I was going to ask you about exit interviews, but I'm trying to think the last time I had one. And I think... I must be wrong about this, but I think it was about 10 years ago at Sainsbury's when I was working on the checkouts. And that, you know, I've worked for some companies and stuff since then. And it's actually amazing how how people don't do them. But also, you, you said something there where it's actually like, you know, you're saying if you're not going to make an, in, you're not going to actually do it, action anything from the exit interview, then don't, mm -hmm. don't do them. Well, maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were just like, well, there's no point because. We know why he's leaving and anything he says, well, we already know anyway. So we're not actually going to action any of it. So why bother? But yeah. I think it's, I think it's a really poor attitude to have. And like when you, when you, when you have someone leaving, especially if they've done a good job, you know, I, I, you, you should still treat every ex-employee um, well, but you know, if someone, you know, especially in like a sales role or something where they've, it's, they've tangibly made you a lot of money as well. You can't get them a card. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? That, it's, it's that to me, like, so, like, initially when I, like, got, like, disinvited from, like, the Christmas night and stuff, I just thought, like, F you, basically. Like, that's, and to me, I was just, like, that's just poor, like, this poor behaviour. Um, and it's happened to me twice. So it's not just one company. Like, companies do yeah. do it. And I think, what do you think I'm going to do? Do you think I'm going to go in and go, don't work for them, they're crap, da, 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 da. like, I would never dream of doing that, and the fact that, and that also bugs me, that when people start to write their own narrative about you, it's like, stop that as well, like, I've, I've worked away for X amount of years, and I've never done that, why would I start doing it now that I don't work for you, like, well, it's, it's usually stuff that they would do, so, for example, I have worked at companies where they've, the the, the behaviours well I think sort of generally actually that the, the behaviours that they're scared you're gonna carry out is stuff is because that's stuff that they would probably do uh, and they, they're coming out from that perspective like for example a salesperson trying to steal business from mm -hmm. their, their old employer so 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 they'll get rid of people straight away because yeah. they're scared that they're gonna nick their clients because they would then encourage yeah people they're employing to steal clients yeah. on their garden leave or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And do you know what? I get, I, I, I totally understand it from that point of view, as in, look, we're going to put you on leave. Like, if you, if you are in, say, you're going from an agency to another agency in the same sector, I get that because people have done that and they will continue to do it, that you're just being safe about your business. I get that. But you could also still arrange a dinner or a lunch or a, send them a bloody thank you card. Like, it yeah. just, I just can't stand, it's like when it turns into bloody International Women's Day, people go on and on and on about LinkedIn, but actually all your women are getting paid like predominantly, significantly less than all the men. So like, calm down, mm -hmm. stop doing things like that on LinkedIn and actually like deal with the real issue at hand. It's like one of those situations, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, I think people just generally are like, 
they like to virtue signal nowadays, don't they? But but when you actually confront them about their actions and what they're actually doing, it's like um, paper thin excuses. Yeah, and I can't actually like I remember once. So there's a company that I worked for before. They were like, yeah, we're like so big on like bringing in female leaders and blah 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 blah. We like we really really are focusing on trying to get females in the business. And I was like, could you tell me what you're doing to, to get females? Uh, 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 uh. And I was like. Could you get you don't have any examples at all they couldn't give me one example but then it was like well we're doing positive discrimination and i was like that actually isn't doing anything like i was like why don't you ask two seconds yeah sorry stop that one of my kittens sorry my kittens is like he's pulling up the carpet can you sorry i i, I thought we were doing too well to get the, get through the full thing without being interrupted um, but it was like oh yeah we're just like we're doing things and i was like why don't you ask all of the females that are already in tech within your business, why don't you ask them what they would like from an employer? Like, mm. what would encourage them to apply? Um, and it was like, oh yeah, I never thought about that. And it was all just middle-aged white men, like making these decisions. And I'm like, you need to have a bit of diversity within your within your thinking and within your groups. And it was just all, it was all just, guys trying to come up with all these ideas instead of actually asking other people like you know so i think i can't even remember why i was talking about that but i got, I got, off, I got off track but yeah um look i think i think you need to come back on because we didn't get quite get round to it but i think you need to come back on and talk about specifically like linkedin personal branding and like how you build a personal yes. brand um, yes, yes, yes. what's your what's your links and stuff is it just linkedin you want people to follow you on or LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the hell he's like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Send me, send me the links. I'll put it in the description in the bio uh, so people can follow yeah. you. And thanks. Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I've had a great wee chat.